want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. So my better half is not able to join us today, and I asked Seth to sit in, um, and we're going to be talking to Forced Entry. Um, Seth was on episode 50 with Mark Rapone, and they both put on our favorite Metal Meltdown, which is the second Tuesday of every month, or it was until COVID uh, put a hold on it. Um, hopefully that comes back soon, and I, I wanted to thank Seth for joining me and ask him about the status of metal meltdown yeah thanks a lot um yeah actually it's 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 kind of funny not really funny but um when the last time that we were here when we when mark and i recorded this um mm. everything shut down two weeks later, or two days later actually so um as far as the status of metal meltdown i know we you know we we had been trying to keep it going um doing the the park rager yeah. party in the park yeah. whatever you want to call it that was um, fun and it was it was a great time. Um, not, it's certainly not the same as you know being in person and listening to live music, but right. you know we just wanted to keep things going and, and get friends together. So at this point, um, I, I was talking to Elena from Record Archive uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and you know they're being super cautious as they should, um, as far as be you know um, when it's safe to let a whole bunch of people back in. So it's kind of on hold um, still, but it's something that will come back once uh, you know once it's safe to have a bunch of people back at the uh, back room lounge. Um, you know, I was driving over here and not too far from the the park over in Penfield where where we were doing the the, the park ranger stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if we can't get back in person, um, you know, once the snow melts and we get a decent day on a Tuesday night, um, you know, we'll do that. But uh, in the meantime, you know, we just, uh, you know, we hope people once, I, I think once, once, once it does come back, you know, once we're able to get people in there safely and, and not, you know, not just have 10 people in there, like the first 10 that show up because yeah. of capacity limits, then uh, uh, I know they're committed to, to, uh, to getting this thing back going and I, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait either. It sucks. Blurring. That's the last show I saw, blurring uh, that that last night that mm -hmm. we that we did something in there, and then it was yeah, just a couple of days later where where everything got shut down. Yeah, it's been too long. <laughs> the longest in in my life that I've gone obviously without seeing a, a live show, and it's it's absolutely killing me. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. <laughs> so we're gonna talk to Forced Entry. Do you want to listen to a song before we talk to them? Absolutely, absolutely. No, we should uh, we should crank it up. Um, I don't know, man. Bone cracking fever is uh, that that sounds like a good place to start off. Right? All right.
So, how are you guys doing today? Excellent. Good. Most excellent for a Saturday morning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another day in paradise. Going to go see Colin's other band play tonight. Oh, nice. An, Ill an illegal heavy metal show at a private house. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what, what, what club? What, <laughs> what clubs are yeah, open no, out there? Yeah. House, I think, I think the old metal man Coven that used to be our neighbors is going to play, I guess, too. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Six. Narc, I don't think anybody where you're at would go come all the way here, right? So it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> six six sixty nine. Yep. Yep. Oh my god, that's awesome. So you guys started out in eighty three. This is according to the internet, so I could be wrong. Uh, okay. If if you want to correct me, I I won't be offended. Um, you guys started out in eighty three. Called it quits in ninety five. Briefly reformed in 2002, and then went quiet for almost two decades. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep, that's about right. All right. Um, yeah, we jammed about 12 years there. Yeah. So what what prompted you guys to reunite? And thank you. Well, you want to answer that, Colin? I'm not sure. I know why. I think <laughs> well, Colin just started playing a lot, and I just thought it was time to do something. And we, we still haven't really got it all the way back together, but we've been, we've been hanging out a lot, playing tunes. Well, like, you know, Tony and I have, we've always, we've always hung out, we've always been, you know, best of friends. So, even though there was no forced entry, there was still Colin and Tony hanging out, drinking beers, shooting the shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we played in 1,000 Pounds, too. We played in another band together after forced entry for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, we've always kind of, you know, obviously enjoy each other's company and, uh, you know, lifelong brothers. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of like once Facebook kind of started blowing up with forced entry stuff, it's like Tony and I, we both said the same thing is we both kind of forgot we were in that band for a long time. Raised Until kids, started businesses, had marriages. I mean, I'm still married, but yeah, stuff like that. Life got in the way. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, you know, it just, it just seems like the right time. Now there's a lot of interest in the band. There's a lot of interest in the music. You know, there's still a lot of fans out there that we didn't even know we had. Um, but it just seems like the time is right. I mean, metal is back. It's big. Everybody loves it. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of when we were wrapping things up in 95, you know, metal was not a big deal anymore. You know, hardcore rap and country music and all this other stuff and grunge and grunge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Grunge kind of killed metal for a long time. So we just kind of gave up on it more than anything else. And we just kept playing more for fun. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a, I was in an Iron Maiden tribute band for a couple of years and you know, I'm in another heavy metal band now, but it's, it's not, it's definitely not forced entry. It's different, mm -hmm. um, but it's still fun. And we, we, we both still enjoy playing and entertaining people and just, you know, generally having a good time. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the reason. It, it, the time yeah, that's, is a good, that's a good answer. Yeah. I raised a family, you know, my, my youngest is now 21 and, uh, and uh, I have free time on my hands and yada yada. We decided to get back and play some music, maybe write some new music. Well, we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. I, I, following up on that, I wanted to ask you, you know, there, there seems to be this thrash resurgence over the last several years. I, I guess at what point did you, you, know, you, you mentioned Facebook and, and seeing, you know, these posts on, on forced entry. At what point did you realize, like, holy shit, these, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, I, I, I talked to, pe talk to people about your band that weren't born 
when you guys were putting stuff out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. A couple people, you know, put huge like discographies or started fan clubs in our name. And I had no freaking clue at all about any of that stuff. I basically set out because I wanted to get our band on Spotify and Apple Music and iHeart and all that stuff, which I did now. In the process of doing that, I've you know discovered there's all kinds of interest on Instagram. I started an Instagram feed myself and put a couple first century pictures on there and did some hashtags like thrash metal, thrash metal band, things like that. And right away got people from all over the world saying things like, Oh my god, are you that Tony Benjamin? And shit like that. And I wouldn't have thought anybody cared. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just recently in the last maybe four or five months me and Colin folks went alright well at the least we should get our t-shirts printed up full color for both of our albums because people are always asking about that maybe get that going and then maybe do a live record with some of our old recordings something like that just to get some interest going and then uh, we'll see from there and in the meantime we'll be getting together once or twice a week and turn around I mean how, mu how much of a surprise was that um, you know I, I and it's funny because I remember so going back, you know, I had I had I had your, your guys the first two albums on cassette. And then at some point I was like, okay, I want to get the CD. You know, so I'm I'm I mean, I'm in my 50s, so I'm of that age where that was, you know, an, an actual option. And you know, so I went on, you know, I'm looking all around, I couldn't find the CD. I go on eBay and this is a while ago and you know, I had to pay a decent amount of money to get it. Um, and that's just ballooned from, you know, doesn't do you guys any good, but you know, there's so much demand for, for, for your product out there, yeah. um, you know, and, and it, a lot of other bands from, you know, from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, for sure. Well, we were yeah. creating that music, you know, people have redone a lot of that music, but I mean, at the time, at least we thought it was cutting edge. Like. I remember one of the things that sticks in my mind the most is things like the band Tool opening up for me, you know, and us being bigger than them or winning best metal band in Seattle over bands like Queensryche and Nirvana and, and uh, metal, metal Church and stuff, you know, or or having things like, I remember Pantera when they used to come see our shows and they were just like little kids. They saw their big hairspray hair when we'd go through Texas, <laughs> things like that, you know, and then after we quit, then you see how big Pantera got, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was like we were to, to us we were making that music up back then. So I'm not that's I'm, I am really surprised that somebody didn't do something different by now. But I'm I'm obviously happy for the interest. It gives me something to do. <laughs> yeah, and we're still plenty young enough to do it. I guess. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like we're in our 50, early fifties too. But um, you know, we're not old fifties. I guess. I mean, I can still get around. Coming. <laughs> hey, fifties the new thirty. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. At least I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel tardy. <laughs> Give me something to write on, man. Yeah, there you go. I got my pencil. <laughs> so you guys originally passed on offers from CBS, MCA, Chrysalis. I think some others, and went with Combat. And I think uh, listening to another interview with you, um, you kind of touched on why you did that. Would would you have made a different choice if you had to do it over again? I don't know. What do you think, Colin? I don't I, I know. Probably, I think I'd probably do the exact same choice. Because what I didn't want is to get on a major label, have them do a development artist deal, mm -hmm. 
change our music in some way to make it more polished and then us fail mm-hmm. like in in in, in, in all events and purposes sort of selling out and then where would we go from there nowhere yeah. whereas all my heroes like the guys in metallica or megadeth and stuff all signed on an independent or exodus or any of those bands i was listening to back then slayer they didn't go straight to a major so they did that first and i figured that way i still had somewhere to go from there right yeah yeah. And of course, I never could have anticipated the birth of grunge in Seattle while I was playing, and that me wearing my construction clothes on stage would become a, uh, you know, a clothing style. Those are all just our normal clothes, like right. our Levi's and our work boots and our our flannels. That's the shit we wore to work, and just went to band practice and our gigs. We didn't like dress up, because of course, we didn't want to be like rat or something. Right. And that like turned into like, whoa! All these Seattle guys wear their freaking construction worker clothes. That's a new style now, <laughs> which was very odd. Yeah. yeah. We invented grunge, goddammit. <laughs> nope. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> At least the way they dressed, because those guys probably weren't really construction workers. They just wanted to look like one. <laughs> yep. What What was it like, though? I and I don't know if you can go back to you know that that period when you were considering signing with 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 whomever. Um, you know, it seemed Very like exciting. It had to be exciting, but you know, there are a lot of bands that also. Um, I, I, I'm. I guess Sanctuary would be one example, and and I don't know if this came from was something that they wanted to do. I remember them doing a cover of White Rabbit. Every band that signed to a major label had a cover song of some classic. You know, I, I guess there was a lot of there. There was probably a lot of pressure back then too. Of you know, the music didn't necessarily maybe come out the way the band started. Absolutely, like commercially. First record. I mean, those guys are real good friends of mine. We used to go to their band practice. They came to our band practice a lot, and you know, they they were they had to speed up all their songs for their album. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like the demo the demo tape we listened to in the band room was way slower, right, Colin? Oh yeah, way slower. Like Doom, and so the songs don't sound the same. So there's that, and they were, they were always telling us we were going to be rock. Well, they they considered us rock stars already, I guess. But I was telling those guys, like Lane and Sean and. Uh, Mike starts. If you guys are gonna be rock stars, just you know, keep all your songs tuned down to that low D and sing that third harmony like the Beatles. And you got a new gig right there. And that's I, I mean, I remember saying that to him. I don't want to like take some weird credit twenty years later, but I mean, I don't think any of those guys could deny me saying that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. they were another one of the music bands, music bank bands, you know, that were just kind of like uh, I don't know, like mall rat type people, you know, that played at the music bank, like lots and lots of developing artists. But there was no like people that already had records or headlined at the music bank it was a rehearsal place right so what was i don't know where, where i came out of that one from telling a story like that but that's a good story oh i like i i know where we were at we were at the thing about yeah going to the major label i mean me and the guys in sanctuary had the same jobs before we all got record labels too we were used to work at this place called cases which is a guitar case company there in seattle so that's the only place that would hire guys with long hair. <laughs> so me and, me and Wally ba- Baker, who changed his name to World Dane, right? Like the singer of Sanctuary, he's passed away now. He dated my sister. And uh, so, yeah, we were real good friends all through that era. What was yep. what was, what was was the scene like when, when you guys first formed the band? I mean, I know, because it seems like there was, you know... Pop pop culture, obviously, the average person knows a lot about, you know, the Seattle sound or, you know, grunge and, and kind of how that, that all came about. And that's, you know, obvi- certainly that's pop- popular amongst the mainstream. But, I mean, there were a lot of bands, and I'm sure there was a lot of crossover between between different Absolutely. styles. Yeah. Uh, what, I would you say know, what was that scene like? 
there was more like the U district was thriving in like a punk kind of scene. So they had a lot of these fanzine things that we would write into and stuff. And so there was a music scene in the U district. And we started getting gigs through that area. I would say long before there was any band that would consider themselves any type of grunge. So we sort of crossed over the punk scene to listening to thrashed. It was more like Metallica or Slayer type stuff, except for, of course we didn't want to sound like either one of those two bands. Would you kind of agree with that Colin? Yeah, and well, and, and then, another thing I'll interject too is that so all the other, when, those other uh, guys us, except for maybe Soundgarden, you know, they were we were on the same planes with Soundgarden a lot. Go ahead, Colin. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, like you said, crossover. It's like you know when we started playing shows, it was totally underground. You know, we were renting out Grange halls, DFW halls. And, you know, we're playing with punk bands like Cubes, and you know, yeah, we played with the Cubes probably more than any other band playing with mace or something like that i didn't i don't remember there really being together thrash bands besides fourth century when we started no there weren't <laughs> it was just like after we started getting good at it then they started getting the other guys that were like i think like hey we can do that like panic or bitter end or coven or any of those guys you know yep but it didn't really seem like there was any other bands like mine that were as good as mine at the time until we until we already kind of got started doing it like the guys that eventually became pearl jam they called themselves mookie blaylock they opened up for us at the seattle center before so a lot mm -hmm. of those bands went on to do the seattle sound quote unquote open for fourth century first because we had huge shows you know thousands and thousands of people at seattle center like that's mural amphitheater shows or things like that and so as we were losing our record deal and touring around the country those bands were all being snapped up and signed and by the time we got home from it all it was like nobody wanted to hear any metal bands anymore or anything with two names like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden or Fourth Century. <laughs> you know, it was just like, no. Nope. Very, very true. You're dead to us. You had no metal, dude. You got something <laughs> called my sister's pillow or something? Mookie effing Blaylock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Mookie, Mookie Blaylock was, that's a, that's a baseball or basketball player. I'm sorry if you don't right. know that. Of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> So where that, that's what they called themselves before Pearl Jam. <laughs> so where did where do you think you guys um got your you have a very unique sound. Um especially with the times, you know, the stop starts, the accelerando, the, the decelerations and the quirkiness and all like all the oddness but being a very tight band. Like where did where did you what was your influences early on? Me taking music theory in college, I'd see would be the number one because I dropped out of college to do my band. Mm. We were in the band the time I was in college, wouldn't you say, Colin? And yeah. then I went. I, they, these guys were kind of getting tired of it and wanting to play other things. And I was like, "Give me six months. I'll drop out of college and I'll get us a record deal in six months, or we'll or we'll bag it." And I got us six or seven record deal offers in six months. You know, I made a suppress kit, wrote into all those zines and went around and just sort of campaigned like you would for uh, if you were running for mayor, you know, and spray painted our name all over town, jumped trains and wrote fourth century lives all over the new bulldozers and just all sorts of things like that to get my name around, <laughs> put stickers in every phone booth in town, mm -hmm. left cassette tapes at all the bowling alleys and, uh, you know, pool halls, stuff like that. And got us, got us noticed. Hmm. Yep. But I mean, I, but I was studying that type of music, classical music in college. So they were teaching me about accelerado and decelerados. Mm -hmm. And I was studying some jazz music that has a lot of odd signatures. So me and Colin together would make like a little sort of song maps that would show things. And I'd go, let's fuck this shit up and take one out. Let's mm -hmm. do seven, eight, no eight, eight. 
you know, let's do five, six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we throw those parts in there for those guys in the back that thought they were better musicians than us to go like, whoa, dude, these guys are killer. <laughs> 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 There's always a few guys way in the back, you know, they're just standing there with their arms crossed, like looking at you that are like the rival band from over in Bellevue or something. <laughs> yeah. When you say like early influences, I mean, you know, being from the Seattle area, of course, we, you know, listening to Metal Church and early Queensryche. And mm-hmm. so we all, and you know, we loved metal in general, Maiden and Priest and, you know, all the things we discussed. But, Lizzie, but then we, also yeah. have, we also had a love for like Rush and other fucking cool, like, you know, cool music that wasn't just heavy and thrashy. So it was, you know, we were kind of trying to, we weren't trying yeah. to, but. People kept saying that it's it's like Rush meets Metallica, you know, kind of thing, and and I took that as a as a huge compliment, you know. Yeah, back me in the too. Day. Yeah, just trying to color up the music and just not have it as simple as some of the other underground metal bands we were hearing that sounded more like they were to me like they were trying to out Slayer. Slayer now, Slayer is yeah. freaking the most powerful thrash band ever. I think as far as you just can't match the way they, you know, there's they're a certain category that there still isn't another one in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. But it's, right. it's, it's much, it, to me, it's a lot of, it's much simpler. Like it's not necessarily technical, but the aggression is so strong that it just carries it. I mean, Tom Array carries it and, and it's just, there's nothing bad I can really say about it, but I always talked at practice too. Like, Hey man, you know, let's not get that shit sounding like Slayer or Metallica that you can't out Metallica, Metallica and you can't out Slayer Slayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. like Colin said, we'd take influences from all over the place, from country music, from old rock and roll. And I think I remember me and Colin when we were at Darn Good Pizza, we'd listen to KBSG, right? We'd listen to like the oldies from the 50s and 60s all the time. Mm-hmm. So even some of the hooks in our songs come from like everything from like the Everly Brothers to freaking, uh, you know, Bo Diddley or something. Hmm. So I'm going to listen to Bone Crushing Fever and and try to pick out the Buddy Holly. Next time. <laughs> there you go. I yeah. You could. I, I never it's thought. It, like, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> it's more like the, like like the vocal break, like in the Unextinguishable and As Above So Below, right? The whole music stops, and I do just my voice by itself, going sneaking into your mind, and do the time change. There's time changes like that in rock and roll, in old rock and roll to make people dance to a different rhythm. So they'll do a real fast beat at the hop, dun, 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 all through the song, and then they'll stop and go, at the hop, dun, 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 dun. everybody dance now. And it'll break it down to a half time. That's more what I'm referring to. Hmm. Yep. So as a fan, I have an opinion on on this question, but what? when do you guys think you became the forced entry sound? Like, you solidified what the band sounded like. Fuck, I don't even know if there is one. <laughs> no, I would I would say I would say it's when we were in the studio and we recorded like Morgulon for like the first time on a real two inch tape machine and we were like we we had a little bit of time, we had a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could yeah, well, tweak exactly. stuff, you know. Yeah, well, Uncertain Future, me and Brad are always playing like the impossible chord where I'm playing the fifth note to his to his root note, right? Mm-hmm. So it has that weird, like, boom, 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 boom. It sounds like underwater. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking super creepy sounding, right? But As Above don't sound like that, Colin. That's true. We're not, we're not doing that as much on there. So As Above's got a bunch of more progressive stuff. And then it seems like we were still, a bunch of our songs that we never recorded, you know, we were still kind of evolving at the time. So I never really even considered it. Hmm. That we yeah. were that original, you know. Here it is, all these years later, thirty-year anniversary of As Above So Below, and maybe now I'm finally starting to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would be considered our sound, right? I mean, definitely yeah. all those all those different drum beats that you and I wrote together, and stuff like Tom beats are definitely a signature fourth century thing, and t- a lot of time changes are definitely a fourth century thing. Yep. 
And then writing a bunch of weird-ass guitar parts, which I think went on to Pantera and a lot of other fast fans went on to do that, but wasn't done at the time. Like the stuff right. we do micro-macro or phone track and fever, we got a real low note with a real tweaky-ass chromatic minor high note part or some you know, harmonic parts, you know, which we always just considered coloring up the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, let's do it different. You know, let's do this. Let's not just go dun, 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 dun. Let's go dun, 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 You know, throw those bar parts in there. Yep. I had a lot of long nights in the band room arguing with each other to get those done. Definitely. But, you know, other thrash bands after we did that stuff went on to do that. But I can't give an example of that stuff before me. There's certainly not Metallica songs that had those parts in there. No, definitely not. You know, so like, so like later newer thrash bands, like Pantera would be an example. And I've heard a lot of bands now. I'm like, that's a fourth century part. And just laugh my ass off and go, they probably heard my band before. <laughs> but I, it, that's awfully arrogant because I just came up with it the same way I came up with it, right? I have no idea. <laughs> but I didn't hear it before that. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I think it just is what it is. I don't know. So, yeah, so, so when you when you hear that, when you uh, you know, so you guys are doing your thing in the late '80s, early '90s, whatever, and then you you know, a band like Pantera comes out. Which obviously their first three albums they weren't like they were. Um, some influence there. I mean, just musically, do you do you hear things? Yeah, that, those that, guys you know? loved us. Yes, they, they came to every show, and Diamond Darrell wore the As Love solo shirt on the whole Cowboys from Hell tour off and on. When he came to Seattle, he sure as hell was wearing it. And those guys, you know, made friends with us. Yeah, so we certainly influenced them a lot. Like they came to every show we ever played in San Antonio, Dallas, Corpus Christi, Fort Worth, all those places. We saw the guys from Pantera for our first couple of tours. So, as, is, is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, as it. So, yeah. I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, then yeah, but yeah. Those guys were like fucking four century rules, but of course we quit right after about they got their record deal. You know? Right, right. So I don't think they would have had any qualms with playing things that sounded like us, considering they knew we weren't a band anymore. Sounds like a formula for success, right? <laughs> well, they, they were great already. You know what I mean? And yeah. they had the ability to spend a lot more money on albums. And I mean, they're just a great band. I mean, I wouldn't compare myself to them. I'm just saying I'm, sure, I'm certainly sure they took influence from us. Sure.
So Grandma went to the 1987 section of her metal pantry and selected Thrash or Die by Forced Entry off of their Thrashing Helpless Down demo. No, I wanted to ask you, so um, as above, so below, I mean, in my opinion, that was just an absolute masterpiece. Uh, I, I, both albums, but there was this kind of progression uh, you know, from, from the first to the second. Uh, but I also read that you never toured in support of that album. Um, I know we talked about the changes in, in you know, where the music industry was going. Um, and I've certainly read about label support and that. But, um, you know, what was it like to put out an album like that and then not be able to support it, given everything that was going on at the time? It was fucked up. <laughs> We, 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 we did do, do some, in, some in-source stuff and some touring for that record, but not in a great in a great big way. They were like, oh, yeah, we just gave Crozier Conformity $30,000. We don't have any money for you. And like, we certainly, certainly, certainly would have had a gold record, but these people at Redevelopment did not press any more than 100,000 copies. So we went to all kinds of places where there'd be like several thousand people at a place in, in the U.S. somewhere that could not buy our records. Couldn't buy anything. There was nothing to buy. So how do you have a gold right. record if there's nothing to buy and somebody else is in control of doing that? You know, that was part, part of the beginning of the end because we're trying to get off that label because we're all of a sudden calling there one day and no one knows our name. And there's, everybody's on pie and Coke or whatever. And they're just like, Oh, what? No, Seattle. Uh, shut up. Click. <laughs> you know, yeah. and by the time we got that all done, we had already wrecked our stupid EP. It's like half done. It doesn't sound like us <laughs> because it wasn't produced right. And nobody wanted to sign a metal band. Of how, any kind, really. How do you how do you reconcile that at the time, though? I mean, you're 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 younger guys. Certainly, you're in a band that's that's got a lot of momentum. You put out great stuff, and then, you know, that I mean, that's that's life at that point. You want me to answer this honestly, Colin, or or you want to answer yeah. it? Nope. If you want, me, if you want me to answer it honestly? We were already kind of just done with the whole freaking thing by then. I don't think any of us three wanted to be a star. I think that'd be yeah. the honest answer. We didn't know what would happen if we actually had people like us or not. And when people started liking us a lot, it was very, very, very strange. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't go on the Three Mouseketeers at age 10 and be Britney Spears kind of person that wanted to be a star, right? Mm-hmm. We were just three kids from Terrace that got popular and had a, and had a way better persona on stage than anybody ever guessed like when, when we played for people they were mesmerized every band i think almost every band that ever played with us got blown away by us you know bands that toured with us bands we opened up for were just like fuck i don't ever want to go after those guys again because we threw down pretty good man yeah. and i think it was as surprising to be calling and brad as it was to everybody else so i think the honest answer would be we were just about sick of it and sick of each other yeah now if we could have got that record deal that i wanted I, I, cause I was, I could have shot for it. I think I could have done a solo record or me and Colin could have done a record of any kind we wanted at that time if we would have wanted to. But I think we were moving into the stage of our life where we were like, we're either going to be on the road all the time and this is a dirty business or we're going to marry our childhood sweethearts, which me and Colin both did at the time and raise a family or buy some property, which me and Colin both did at the time as well. So that'd be the answer. Sorry. I said that sounds totally right to me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever given that answer before, but I think that's the honest freaking answer, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for that answer. No problem. I know it sounds pretty tame, you know. Like, well, really, dude, you just decided you didn't want to jam anymore, but <laughs> it can get it can get trying. You know, you can only see the first two rows. So, like, 
on our second tour or something when we've already been through a major city and we're going through it again and you're playing bigger places you know we did some crossover shows where we like joined another tour for one night things like that where there's a lot of people there and everybody's like tony tony hey tony and i mean i don't know these fuckers from adam like only because i'm sober until i get on so i'm backstage somewhere not talking to people then when i get on i want to drink and everybody's drunk as hell right and so i don't think people realize how strange that would be unless you i'm sure we've all walked into a party sober where everybody's drunk right mm. so you get off stage sweaty and done and you know you have to be sober to play your show the next night and only have so many hours to drive from say dallas to fort worth mm. well that's that's a very short period how about dallas to chicago <laughs> yeah. all, night, all day then we had some of those kind of tour dates right well yeah i hope you can see what i mean there's a disconnect there and if we would have had the right management and the right type of people around us we probably could have taken it a lot farther but I think in the end, we were just about tired of, uh, of, of that crap. Mm. <clears throat> so I wanted to ask you guys about the Shore EP that I know you've been asked about many times. And, yeah. And I've heard, I think, your opinion on it. Um, is there a chance that when you guys do new material that you will re-record the Shore and present it how you want it to sound? Or is that in the past? Are you asking Colin or me? Either one. Either one. Yeah. I think there's definitely, I think there's uh, definitely parts and pieces. I don't think we would just take all four songs and redo them as is, mm -hmm. or just you know, reproduce them. I think we would probably rewrite them. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of those songs are freaking awesome, but there's a few parts that need to be taken out, and it didn't record the same as it should have been. Like we didn't have the time to do it, and Brad was absent. Mm -hmm. You know, he was only there to do the guitar for a few days and then he bailed. And if I, if I remember, I was in the studio a lot alone with a producer I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so didn't get masters right. And usually me and Brad would went through and sort of picked out some of the parts with a click track or me and Colin would have at the beginning, right, Colin? And made sure there wasn't any glitches in it. Right. So to me, there's some stutters and stops. I agree with your answer. Some of the songs are great, but there was also another four songs that we wrote around the same time that can go on a record too. You know, just need to be redone I, I hadn't really thought about it much mm -hmm. i thought about more like i don't know writing a f a, another few songs with colin and then maybe re-recording a couple or, or releasing some live material because so i went back and heard some of the things we played live on tour man we were so tight like almost better than our recordings a couple of ones i heard i was like damn i didn't remember we were that good <laughs> i've heard some live recordings from seattle that is garbage you know because of course we're all loose and we're at home we probably had a couple of beers ahead of time but when we we're on tour playing places they were far away from home you know we played just extremely tight hmm. what i wanted to ask the the story p at least on metal archives it shows that it was the only release on morning wood records can you do you know what that is <laughs> That's just that's just my funny word for uh, getting hard on in the morning. <laughs> so so you, you guys put that out Lord, under that Lord, label. Lord bless me with the morning wood. You see my saying in the morning around that time. <laughs> so that was self released. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay, I got you. So once you guys went, so once that, the, that wasn't a very exciting answer, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know my dad calls it a piss hard on, but whatever, you know. It's <laughs> um, anyway, no. So so what? So once the band went, you know, dissolved, went its separate ways. Um, what? Uh, tell tell us a little bit about just musically. Sounds like you two guys have, have obviously, you know, you jam together and and that. Um, you know, what are some of the just stylistically even. I I look at the the late '90s as one of the worst periods of time for music, just because I'm a you know a, a thrash fan, a harder 
you know, into the harder stuff. And and music definitely changed. But as musicians, what you know, what what influenced you, or what kind of stuff did you play? I'm not sure I understand the question. Oh no, I'm just saying. So once once the band, you know, I guess musically, did, did you guys? You didn't just hang it up. I mean, you you would you you mentioned bands that you'd played in from you know here and there. So after forced entry ended, you know, what kind of stuff did you guys play then, or listen to? Well, in one thousand pounds was kind of a kind of a the band we played. It was just kind of like a bar band. I mean, we played some some thrashy versions of covers, um, and we played some of the band songs from a band called Dumped. It was here in Seattle because there was a couple of their members in the band with me and Colin, and I think. We played uh, maybe a couple of the fourth century songs like "We're Dick," "Where We're Dicks," or "Get Fucked Up." The ones that were easier to play. Yeah, but so I mean, we've I mean, we've definitely stuck. You know, I can speak for myself. I mean, it's I've I've been playing one type of metal or another. We'll call it thrash, call it classic heavy metal, call it whatever you want. Um, but still, kind of sticking with the same program as far as influences go. Like I love Iron Maiden, so I loved playing in an Iron Maiden tribute band for a few years. It was totally fun. It was, I mean, it was so really get, easy. To, it's really easy to play, but it's still metal. <laughs> here's a good. Here's a good way to put it, Colin. We played all things that were much easier to play than Fourth Century because Fourth Century's <laughs> <Yeah>. a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To play our songs, to play our songs through the right way live and sing and play that at the same time is just a bitch. There's just no two ways about it. Go try it sometime. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a person alive that's played one of my songs the right way or even close and tried to play or played it and sung it that I've ever seen. I mean, besides Word Dicks and Get Fucked Up, which are just kind of like a punk format, mm-hmm. which uh, Bomb Scare, the band out of uh, Bakersfield, has covered our song Word Dicks on their, on their record. Mm-hmm. Was there a song that stood out as either individually or as a band that was like a nightmare to play live or or no yeah there's a couple of them yeah. which one do you guess gone i'd say unextinguishable absolutely that's the hardest one for me to play live on drums and i know it's hard for you guys on guitar and bass and to sing it <laughs> apathy's fucked up too but i mean yeah. i've seen i've seen videos of us playing that live yeah, and we we pulled it off. Another thing too that was a little bit different about us, I think, than other like even touring bands or what we consider like a live band, is that we would literally practice five or six days a week for three or four hours at a time. And we would we would physically play our whole set just like we were going to play it that next weekend with no breaks. Yes. You know, we sweat our ass we, off, head banging, and we would practice like shit, like breaking strings or breaking drum heads. Like we all had a little pile of broken drumsticks that we'd throw at each other. So if like you hit the guy with the broken drumstick, that means you just broke his strings. You had to switch your guitar for your spare seamlessly without fucking it up, right? And stopping the song or calling like with a drum head. So we'd practice all kinds of shit like that for no eventual, all every eventuality of playing live. So when we did play live, you know, we were freaking tight as fuck. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> So it was an impressive amount of work, and that's that's why when we look back on it, we go, I think we just got sick of it and sick of Brad's bad habits. Mm. So what are you guys listening to now? I don't really listen to music very much. <laughs> I do, I, but I listen to everything. I listen to every freaking thing. I mean, I listen to that, like Animals Without Leaders, which is probably like what I would sound like if I was in a band that didn't have a vocalist. Um, all the way to like, you know, top 40. And I listen to country music. I listen to punk rock. Mm-hmm. I listen to Danzig a lot still. I mean, I listen. I, I listen to everything. Like I have thousands of songs on my phone. 
but I got, you know, I have like 22 different playlists. Depends on what I'm doing. Like I got my feeling sad list. I have my workout list. I have my just playlist, playlist, or like, mm -hmm. then I have my, I creep the steps and floor playlist. <laughs> <laughs> then I have my, I'm the creek in the floor when I creep motherfucker playlist. <laughs> so when, when you're looking at the, you know, when you're looking at what, what might possibly be the future for forced entry, um, you know, where, where does that take us musically? Um, you know, obviously it's been, you know, a number of years since, you know, and you don't like, as you, as you said, you're not looking to re necessarily just rehash the past, but, um, you know, what might that sound like? Like a, like a bunch of bone crack and beaver songs is when I want to record a bunch of yeah. stuff I never did. Then that sounds like super aggressive metal sounding stuff instead of the in-between stuff. Some serial killer shit. <laughs> Fucking a man. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, but not that totally fast. Because Colin doesn't like to play that fast, so it'll have to be a little slowed down. Yeah, I don't mind it. But I was going to say it. <laughs> I got some good ones. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean it, the, the, the one point that Tony has made to me a couple times while we've just been kind of, you know, whether we're visiting, we're just talking on the phone, or he's over here hanging out. The one thing that Tony keeps saying is that it, there's no limits. We can do whatever we want. There's no expectation. You know, there's there's no time frame. We can do whatever the fuck we want. And that's you know? Yeah, as long as we don't quit again and we don't try to act like we're 25. Yeah, exactly. Those two are out. <laughs> yeah, so slow and steady as she goes. We're still interviewing guitar players and hoping Brad might join us someday mm -hmm. um, in a small way. But we need a guitar player that can play the stuff we used to play if we're going to do any of the old songs. Mm -hmm. And it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, every guitar player in Seattle tried out for my band because I really wanted to be a double, a two-guitar player band after I quit playing guitar. And it just never happened. So I'm hoping we'll get a guitar player that can play close enough for everybody to not notice much. The stuff that you know I wrote for Brad or stuff that Brad did for solo-wise and things like that. Mm -hmm. Barring that, we probably simplify it a little bit so it doesn't have to be so hard. On the last podcast that I heard that you were on, you were asked about a guitar player, and they mentioned Jeff Loomis and Russ from Bitter End, or Dean of Coven. Yep. Um, Both those yep. guys are down. Dean yeah. jams with us now. Loomis just talked to me on the phone two days ago and said he's down anytime I want to jam. And uh, Russ has expressed interest, said he's down for jamming. But have any of them actually got together with me and Colin yet and played four or five fourth century songs? That hasn't happened yet, but I think it will soon. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. God damn. And might have two of those guys in there. I'd love to have two guitar player band, really, to write for. Because, I mean, I've always been the kind of guy that tries to bake the cake, like do the basics, and then let these guys do their own thing from there. Like, of course, I'm not writing Colin's drum fills. I'm not writing Jeff's guitar solos if Loomis jams me. But as far as doing the general arrangement, I have a pretty good talent for that. And so maybe pushing everybody in the right direction and then making it creative from there would be probably how I would do it, I'd think. Mm-hmm. You Unless, of course, one of those guys expressed a big penchant for being a great song arranger as well, and I'm just not unaware of it because I haven't really played with him. And, but, you know, those guys have played with me, but not at length. Like Colin mentioned, you know, we practiced at length. And, of course, Brad's my childhood friend. We played soccer together since we were seven, eight years old. And, and Colin, we met early in high school and been friends ever since. So you kind of get the picture. So you and Colin have always kind of been the the writers of the band, right? Yeah, I mean, as far as like putting the, like the, if you got a semi idling in the background, I'd say that's me and Colin. And then, you know, I'll arrange the songs like rhythm, chorus, verse. This is the way the rhythm's going to go. And then Brad puts the frosting on the cake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so not having a guitarist right now doesn't stop you from writing material. 
not not me because I mean I play I play guitar and bass here at my house and just mm -hmm. fuck around like that and write down some lyrics. And if you're talking about just basic ideas, like I haven't, the, you know, Brad wrote one or two songs that are kind of like the, um, oh, what the fuck is that song? Never know what to know, or we have an as above so below. That's like a more of a, um, a softer ballad type song. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so he came to me with that, and I still wrote some of the parts in there. I think I wrote some of the um, the chorus or something like that. So there's some times, there's one or, one or two songs out of all the four studio stuff that Brad had an idea for a song, and I I couldn't just say no, this sucks. And so we did it, but I, everything that I did, I couldn't have done without Brad. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause even if I write a certain guitar part, how am I going to do it? I'm not doing it on my bass. You know what I mean? I already decided that we could never find a bass player. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It took all three of us to do it. That's yeah. why it says all three of our names and all the songs. Yeah. But I think of what, what you're asking is, are we going to do it that way again? Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can call and write the songs and the guitar player is free to write some stuff over that. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, I didn't write that note for you. Like I heard James Hetfield say one time, <laughs> like that he was real strict about it. Right. Like for the first, so many albums, just like, I didn't write that note for you. Don't play that. Like he wanted to write every single note and shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not like that you know more like i want to see everybody have a good time and be able to express themselves yeah but maybe just start it out like hey here's a song name and here's a verse and a chorus what do you guys think of this shit oh i got a rhythm that sounds kind of like that okay we'll put this one in there before that we'll use that for the bridge or you know that's all good so what do you think is on the horizon then what's um you know what's next are you just kind of taking it right now you know see where it goes or do you you know do you hope to record some music put it out maybe another album um some shows i don't know i i don't know how to answer that one. i mean this is only like the second or maybe third interview of gavin in 20 years and a lot of people expressed interest in things like well let me bid for the project i want to record it you know stuff like that i've had a lot of interest online people contacting me from different places and then a lot of people have reached out to me to be in other bands too which i don't want to do i'd rather play with colin um and so I think we're just seeing where it goes, Colin, huh? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, like, there's no, there's I mean, we're no committed, we're committed to doing something. Yes. What that something is has yet to be determined, I think. Right. And I think once we start, you know, and once, once spring kind of hits, you know, Russ lives over in Eastern Washington. So it's not like a, he can't just pop over for an afternoon. I mean, it's, he's going to have to come over and spend the night. Like he's got to yeah, come weekend. across the pass. Yeah. So there's some logistics to deal with, but I mean, everybody's super stoked. You know, we're all kind of just buzzing about it. You know, it's just like, I keep thinking about it. I'm, I'm super excited to get together and jam, but it's just a matter of logistically getting together and getting started, you know, just. That'd be a great way to put it. Yeah. Talking about it is just getting us more motivated to actually do something about it. Well, yeah, trying to generate a buzz about our band like we did back in the day, really, like by me releasing some pictures on my Facebook page and actually admitting I'm the singer for Fourth Century, like nothing on my Facebook page or my business Facebook page ever said. I mean, I literally have men that have worked for me for 20 years at my business that had no idea I ever played in a band. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> what, what's your day job? What's, what's your business? I've run a drywall contracting business. We do steel stud framing, drywall insulation you know, custom home stuff and housing tracks, everything in between remodel stuff. And, and Colin's a home remodeler as well. That's cool. Yeah. We both have construction companies, basically. Nice. So w would you guys, uh, I know you're probably not going to do any world tours, but um, would you guys be opposed to uh, playing festivals around, maybe around the country? So someone on the east side of the country like us could uh, see you guys play? <laughs> We, somebody, yeah, you know, somebody could talk us into that. Depending on how, what kind of interest there is, you know. Yeah. 
Nice. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would love to play festivals because, you know, there's no long-term commitment. It's kind of a one-off deal. You fly out there, you play, you come home. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, Tony and I are successful enough in our businesses where we can afford to take a time off. That's not the issue. But going, oh, on, sure. a, going on a three-month tour probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's you know. probably no point in it because that's kind of what I was explaining earlier. There was, there was no point in it at, back then. Well, there, I mean, there, of course, there was a point in it at first, but once we, once I kind of realized personally that that wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life was, you know, hang out with people late at night after all the bars closed till daylight. Yeah. And that's a lot of what it's involved with touring, you know, and, and be not be away from, and be away from my family and mm-hmm. my, girl, my girlfriend, who is now my wife that I've been with for 35 years, things like that. I, I, yeah, I doubt if I need to tour because usually tour to generate support for an album and, uh, and to play a lot of live gigs, you know, I, I don't really know. I think we're too old for that probably, huh, Colin? Yeah. You know, like I said, no limitations. Uh, everything is dependent, you know, and if, well, exactly, uh, exactly. So let's, if you wrote something, let's just, Let's just say if Metallica needed us to open up four or five shot slots in uh, California, I think we'd probably do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if, if we like, if, our, if we did, our, if we did an album or record and it blew up, you know, and had a gajillion views on YouTube or whatever they do these days, or sold a bajillion MP3s, I don't even know how guys make money from music anymore because they don't sell CDs, right? What the hell the hell do they make money? I know. Well, sales. And I think I think a lot of it's like merchandise when they tour and stuff, like T-shirts and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, so yeah. they generate a bunch of money there. Mm-hmm. And the kids, the kids that weren't born when you uh, started out, uh, they they love vinyl. Yeah, it seems. Yep. Yes, exactly. Because it's all retro. So maybe we, maybe we do that. We put out something on vinyl. Put out. We put it, I want to put out a live record. Is what I want to do. I think that'd be so badass. Yeah, and people have asked about you know maybe on vinyl uh, and releasing all of our demos on vinyl is just kind of a collector piece. I think would be cool too. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, so I think in general, we're trying to generate enough buzz where somebody will get some money behind us. I've had a few offers already, but I'd love to see somebody want to get behind us and, and uh, release some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I suppose me and Colin have enough money to do it ourselves if we really wanted to, but not on a grand scale, yeah. not on like a worldwide distribution type thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. How exciting is it, though, when you you know, you know you have this this career when you're younger you go and live your life, you know, and obviously you, you keep playing music, but then you, you hit that realization that like, holy shit, this band that I was in, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of buzz about it. And, you know, and people, is, is it weird to have that? Like, you know, you're, you're in your late forties or fifties and you realize like, holy shit, I didn't necessarily think about the mark that my band left on, on a, on a whole bunch of people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, it is. It's super exciting. It's, it's very, it's very strange when it sinks in and I think Colin convinced me a little bit, you know, cause I, I just completely ignored it. I, I actually, for, I've been, I forgot for broad swaths of time that I ever was a musician. Mm-hmm. Like long periods that went by in my life, probably 10 years where I was like, that didn't even think about it. Hmm. Yeah. Literally, I, mean, I, don't know I mean, I've been living my life and doing my thing and maybe playing my acoustic, doing the campfire King with Colin or something. We're playing a bunch of Eagle songs or something, you know, but not thinking about <laughs> Right. Well, another, you know, think about it too. Is you've heard this question before, like, you know, if you could go back to when you were in your twenties, would you do it? You know, as a theoretical question. Well, the funny thing is, is we kind of have an opportunity to actually do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. to a certain degree. So it's bit, not, you know, it's just, you know, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it reminds me. There was a movie that came out one time on HBO called Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever see that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was kind of my, our band. 
because we were so close to being like as big as Metallica. Like when we were touring our second tour and would get these radio playlists, right? It'd be the Metallica Black album and As Above, So Below or Uncertain Future was right below that motherfucker Mm -hmm. in like 91, 90 or something. Mm -hmm. I remember that very clearly. And just going like, holy shit, print some fucking records. But the record company wouldn't print any records. So, yeah, we were, like, so close to, like, almost huge, you know, and then we just bagged it. Yeah. And so it seems fake to me. Like, it seems like, what? Is that real? <laughs> and it takes someone else to, like, remind me of it or see something online and go, oh, I guess I did do that. And I kind of do remember it as a movie, kind of, in a weird way, <laughs> you know? It's like, a, yeah. this is a movie yeah. that I saw 20 years ago, and I'm remembering the movie now. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, seem just, real. Yeah. You mean remembering all the like different times you played up in Canada or just weird stuff or just yeah, weird blurry stuff. We're only there for a brief period of time or different cities we played or something, like yeah. Um I wanted to ask you guys about you guys covered an ABBA song. What? No? Huh? You didn't? No. That's not true? What no. song is it? It says Angel Eyes. No. That's not true? No. All right. Yeah. That's, no, never happened. That's, that's, <laughs> that's never in happened. multiple places online. Damn internet. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be true. Damn internet. So, yeah, no Abyssin before century. So speaking well, speaking of the internet, I, yeah, I had one kind of off-the-wall question. Did you guys ever hear of, there, there was apparently another band called Forced Entry that uh, were, were from Germany that had to change their name? Uh, because you yeah, guys already had it yeah. multiple times. Yeah, we sent them a cease and desist order back then because we could, we proved we could, we sold, we sold product under the enforced engine before they were ever a band. Like I sold T-shirts through the mail to like Italy and Germany and all over the place. So for international copyright law, that proved that I own the name. But there's another fourth century right now that just came out with some EP from France or something. Yep. So like you get on Spotify or something, there's like our records, and then there's like some weird random death metal band called fourth century hmm. that has like an ep or an album on there or something that's crazy and that's i have sent them a nasty one because i assumed they'd get they'd get on there themselves and go oh fuck you know there's already been a band that's already made their mark it's already been a thrash band why would you ever want to pick that name you know yeah, yeah. we're not that unknown no so we're just we're just we're just thinking they're ignorant not stupid uh, yeah <laughs> there you go. yeah i don't i don't think they did it on purpose yeah i think they just never they don't have google in france or something <laughs> <laughs> so i have a uh another off well seth had an off the wall question i have an off the wall question for colin yeah. do, do you or did you do vocals for a neil diamond tribute band uh yeah that is true that's true is it, that's very true that's cool is it, is it current? <laughs> in fact to even dig a little deeper i do have a i do have a neil diamond tribute band called steel diamond and the drummer for coven and the guitar player for coven are in that band too oh wow <laughs> no shit that's yeah. a goddamn lie <laughs> 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 you can't you, you don't dare but yeah I've, I've sung backup vocals for it a couple times but not on stage right i'm over there doubling your vocals the other night to steel diamond <laughs> yep well, we love cool. neil diamond yeah who can't who doesn't love neil diamond right right <laughs> So that's, that's a recent gig. We're coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you do forever in blue jeans? We do. Oh, man. I'm going to book my plane t- plane tickets soon. <laughs> that, that, one's a long, that one's kind of a long story, too, but it's a good one, right? Maybe What's tell that? it some other time. Well, how you became the singer of that band. 
Yeah, go for so, it. Ah, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd like to hear that. I know, but I don't think the other guy that used to be the singer would like to hear it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I just, it's, right. it's no big deal. I think you better just save that. Yeah. Yeah, it just it just kind of morphed into a fun project with me and Dean and Neil, and then we got a couple other guys that joined in, and Tony comes over, and you know, nothing I, to see here, people. Move along. Yeah, nothing, nothing to see here. Yeah, <laughs> this is strictly a hobby band. It's just for fun, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so nothing I, to see here. I wanted to mention something that was that was kind of cool. I thought um, Seth does a a monthly. Uh, metal thing at one of the local uh, record stores that has a bar in it and so he plays metal and he's the dj for it um so through covid we were kind of forced to go outside like when when the weather was warm and so we yeah. were doing it at a local park and we had talked about playing forced entry once um like in the summer and uh he was using spotify at the time and uh he looked on there it wasn't there so no. we couldn't play it but it is now, so thank you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the fans appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, so I and I, you know, I don't know what you guys get. Is uh, you know, I, I've heard plenty of musician friends of mine talk about royalty checks or l- lack of on Spotify. But um, and my my kind of thing is I doing doing that uh, DJ gig. I I um, I pretty much only play what I what I already own or owned. So uh, you know. I'm not like ripping people off, but uh, no, we do appreciate the fact that, that that's up there right now. Yeah. It's a way to get the music out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. We, we were getting people asking us all the time, and I'd always say, you can look it up on YouTube if you want, you know, and we never really, we didn't really care. And then, and then, you know, me and Tony kind of, Tony got a, a bug and just said, fuck yeah, let's get it on Spotify. Let's get it on Apple Music. This is, you know, because people always ask him the same thing. Like, you can't find it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's and I was—I didn't know. I kind of assumed they, that Spotify or Apple people would just get it, you know, knowing because enough people would ask eventually or something. But that's not the way it works, apparently. So, right. yeah, I got—I made it my mission here around Christmas to get it on there and did so. Well, thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, just like I said, I think I think we Collins' ultimate goal is to sell a lot of T-shirts. We need to make some t-shirts for our album covers. That's what we need to do. Then that's where we make our money. I said, that's where you make money selling t-shirts. We'll sell them for like thirty nine ninety nine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Limited edition. Peed on by Colin. Yeah. Cool, guys. Well, we really appreciate you, you, you know, just spending some time with us yeah. and, uh, you know, talking about not only the past, but just, you know, what, what hopefully comes in the future. And, and you know, we really just... Uh, wish you guys all the best. Uh, can't wait to hear whatever comes. Yeah, right on. Well, we appreciate we appreciate we appreciate being appreciated, and uh, you know, once once this thing kind of moves a little bit farther down the road, we'll be more than happy to be joined in. Kind of discuss what the future yeah. holds ahead. Yeah, maybe we'll touch base in a year or something, or half a year. That sounds great. Well, guys, thank you very much. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank no you. No problem. All right, you guys, thanks a thank you. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. We're going to end the show with the song Bludgeon off of Uncertain Future. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, don't be an asshole, and don't believe everything you read on the internet. <laughs>